right, so it's, um, actually, I don't want to, like, say too much about what we're doing or why we're doing it. I think I just want to, you know, let's catch up. Yeah. What day is it? Wednesday. <laughs> All right, Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday, uh, it is April 8th, which I know because it has been seven months since I had a baby, which is crazy. There you go. Congrats. Seven months ago. Yeah. I don't think I recommend that as a way of keeping time for most people. (laughs) (laughs) Most people don't know exactly how long it's been since I gave birth. Really? That's so weird. Are you, is this the end of the fourth trimester? Is is that what's happening? No, that's a while ago. The fourth trimester ended a couple months ago for us. Uh, The fourth trimester is, only you know the three months long, so. So this would be number six. Guess. Right. Do it in my trimester. It's trimester. A, um, That's how we're counting things. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, it's a it's a little late now when we're all talking because so many of us have had to put little ones to bed, um, and uh, I think it's time for us to discuss some sexy time. <laughs> Because that's what we're all here for. What is it about Outlander that I need to start watching immediately? <laughs> oh my god, uh, Frank. Did, First of all, did, everyone did, in it's hot. Well, that's not true. But the leads are. And that's what's important. Yeah, and they're naked a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Um, yeah. Doing sexy things together. Although, honestly, in the beginning, like if you're like, I'm here for the sex, it's going to take a while to get to the good stuff. Cause there's plenty of like, beginning, there's, like stuff, though. There's like background and there's like introducing the characters and there's time travel and there's like, you know, political drama in the clan. And then we get to the sexy stuff. For those of you who were a fan of uh, Battlestar Galactica, the show producer, um, you know, the showrunner for Outlander is Ronald D. Moore. Um, The music. Bear McCreary does the music for both shows. He does. You're right. Yeah. I... Never thought I was going to be one of those people who's like, oh, man, I love this, you know, <laughs> this uh, this soundtrack producer, writer, whatever. But Bear McCreary, I'm one of those people. He's my, he's my jam. I like it. So, yeah, it, it, it's a good show. I've, I've only actually seen, like, the premiere of the third season at, like, a convention, but it was very good. It's very on brand for you, James. His very own brand for James. <laughs> James and I saw the premiere. Do you remember what we saw together, James? We saw the premiere of The 100 Season 2. We did. Well, we were trying to watch the premiere of like, Season 2 of The Flash and the first season of Constantine, but it was smack in the middle. <laughs> Again, we'll sit through this. <laughs> Don't remember anything but feeling uncomfortable. I remember when, like, an actor from Lost walked out, and you just like screamed, "I knew it!" <laughs> I don't, I don't know what I knew, but I knew it. I still feel like I knew it. Yeah. All right, that's a good one. Um, God. Uh, yeah. So, what? What are the time periods Outlander takes place during? There's well, well, actually, I don't. Know. So it's as of right now, where I've gotten to, there's three. Yeah, there's a lot. It's the immediately, it starts out immediately post-World War II. Um, 
And then there's the time travel business, and it takes you back to uh, the 1700s, right? Jacobian, 1740s. Yeah, yeah Jacobian uh, era Britain, Scotland fighting for independence. Um, and then as you get further into the series, you end up in the 1970s, 60s, 70s, 60s. around there. Yeah. Um, so... It's a, it's, it's a lot. If you like historical drama, you get to see really distinct eras and fun costuming and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. I don't know about you guys, but for me, historical dramas are almost always about the costumes, not so much yeah, the actual history. That's a lot of <laughs> Taylor watching it. She'll like drag me into watching a show because she's like, oh, the costumes, this is great. Like She's had this like look on her face the entire last season because she's like, oh, this, this dress. Oh, the red dress. Oh, that. Yep. Yep. I feel that. I mean, like... It's also about that for the Academy, too. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's fun stuff. And I don't know if you get... Well, I assume that you guys haven't read the books, but I read the books. And uh, the books are also good. Although, once you get to, like, the... I guess, like, the sixth or seventh book, you, you sort of reach a point where it's like, I know this woman's writing so well that I don't feel like I need to do the reading anymore because I can see this what's one's coming. This gonna die. These people are gonna hook up. This is gonna happen here. Da, 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 yep. da. Wait yeah. till you yep. get to the 36th book in the series. <laughs> Speaking of not reading the books, and I don't, I don't know if Pope actually officially said he was gonna do it. Uh, how far are you guys on High Fire? Oh, I haven't started it because I am also doing another book club where we were reading Fountains of Silence, which is another historical drama, speaking of Outlander and historical dramas. Um, But this one is set in fascist Spain. So that was a really interesting read that I, like, didn't know anything about that era or country in that time. Um, I do recommend it, though. Like, definitely check that out. But that's why I haven't started High Fire, because I was busy reading that one. But it is next in my stack of books. So if Percy is cooperative and I am able to get some some solo reading time where I'm not, you know, stuck under a baby, I intend to start it, you know, ASAP. Ames, have you? I mean, you're the one who suggested it, right? I am uh, in the first chapter. I did a little reading the other day uh, and I plan to do a bunch of reading this weekend, as I cook the Easter dinner for myself and my wife and myself, nice. take like three chapters in. I'm way. I'm like that's. This is not usually ahead, but uh, yeah, no. We'll I, catch up soon. I, well, you're three chapters in. What do you think so far? I general thought. Um, because I, I don't know if you're familiar with his writing or his writing style or anything like that. Well, I, I apparently own like four books by him uh whose name i'm not going to even try to pronounce somebody else do it eon collar there you go uh which it sounds like very easy to pronounce but it doesn't look like it's spelled that way so i think like starting with that's because it's not (laughs) that's because it's not it's it's, it's, call for right yeah those gaelic spellings they'll get you yeah and i think i like i have um uh, he, I think he was the one who wrote the like fifth or sixth book in the Hitchhiker's Guide trilogy. Uh, he did, yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know and that. 
so like every time I'm like, oh wait, this name looks familiar. It's just I've never spoken it aloud because it's written in some strange foreign alphabet, which is not true. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So I, the first few, it's it's an interesting read. I can't even picture exactly what's going on with our main character, which I find fascinating. Uh, I read it through the first chapter twice, and I was like, wait a minute, did I did I personify the dragon is the dragon dragon like and i just didn't really picture it because it was very it's a, it's an interesting story of, of those of you who haven't been like following everything we've been saying in every social media platform high fire is this book about a um i guess the last dragon in louisiana trying to like live his life live his best life uh <laughs> in an otherwise normal setting uh and it's it's an interesting read it's it's funny and dark and i i'm i'm glad i'm going through it and dark is good right now i think that a lot of us are in that kind of mood Woo. well i want to stay on colfer for a minute because disney made an announcement the other day and well, i haven't gotten to like rage about any of this yet on the, <laughs> the channel incoming um, rant but they they are officially moving Artemis Fowl uh, to a Disney Plus release, um, which is his you know po very popular children's series, um, you know kind of my Harry Potter equivalent. That not to say I didn't love and read all of the Harry Potter books like a crazy person, um, but I I was really into this series as a kid, and um, I feel that it just shows the lack of faith disney has in this adaption um and i will say that upon the release of the additional trailers i was not super thrilled and you know like i try not to be that guy with adaptions um but there are some there's some key factors and carryovers you just want to see you know and uh i'm just sad that they don't seem like they're there but I will not have to pay anything additional to watch it, so there's that. It'll look on the bright side. I think I've seen Percy Jackson. Um, I, I'm wrong, right? This is Artemis Fowl. I, I Correct. Mixed up. I was not, that was not so, a joke. I totally to all the same. <laughs> yeah, that was also a book that was excellent, and then the movie was not. Yeah, I. they all blend together as like Harry Potter wannabes, which is perhaps... <laughs> or perhaps completely accurate, but I, I can't, there was, there was an Artemis Fowl something, right? There was some kind of non, there was a movie or, or TV show. Am I missing? Nope. Am I, no, oh, you're they thinking just of got really excited Jackson. talking about it. Yeah. So they, 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 a, yeah. they did a series of graphic novels, um, but that's oh. as far as it's come to any sort of uh, adaption in other mediums. This actually, this movie kind of was held up in production for, a very long time um you know it was something they obviously started talking about you know after he was a couple of books in and it obviously was popular enough to have attention um but you know it wasn't until disney bought the rights to all of the publishing novels um uh that they started kind of seeing the potential in it and, and don't get me wrong a lot of things look great um i think the costumes and characters look great uh, they've done a really interesting thing with the visuals of the fairy world and stuff like that. But, you know, kind of the key thing about Artemis in the books is that 
you know, it's kind of his discovery of the fairy world and, and his journey that makes it very interesting um, and makes him kind of relatable in the fact that he's unrelatable. You know, it, um, I feel like that's the main concern is that these characters, what you enjoyed about them when they were kids is that you felt like an outcast. So the fact that they were outcasts was always the thing you latched onto. Um, and what they've done is to attempt to make Artemis more relatable. They've shifted a lot of the story elements that were his odd achievements that made him, you know, either super smart or super aloof or super whatever, uh, and push them off onto his father is played by Colin Firth. So that is a nice surprise. Um, you know, but they, they kind of give that story to someone who was essentially a non-character, uh, in the books. And that's, that's always unfortunate, you know, when you take away some characters achievements and then, and then give them to, to another character. I feel very, very strongly like that's what happened with Harry Potter movie Hermione and Ron versus Harry Potter book Hermione and Ron. Like if you go back and reread after watching, I think you'll find that Hermione is not as kick-ass as she appears in the movies and Ron is not as much of a doofus as he appears in the movies because right. they took and switched a lot of character traits. Uh, there are how many successful YA books that have turned into movies? And I'm like, uh, like there's, I would say Hunger Games, Twilight, I would say Harry Potter. Rambo. Think, which one was that one? Rambo. You don't Rambo? Rambo? Uh, the book was First Blood. Is that even a YA book? <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I would consider that to be young adult. Oh, young adult. Sorry, I missed. I missed the young adult part. It's a uh, little <laughs> audio here. <laughs> young I mean, adult audio. I would be uh, Pope the librarian would be very very interesting. <laughs> you go, kid. Read for him. Yeah, uh, I heard there's a lot of violence in this book. No, you'll be fine. Um, uh, the I original Chronicles of Narnia to that list, perhaps. Yeah, they they did get three of those movies out. I mean, like maybe not the same level of success, but enough that they kept making them. You know. So, so I'm thinking there's like Maze Runner, which I'm only vaguely aware exists. I don't really know much about that. Yeah, I really liked the Maze Runner books. Um, the into them. movies were pretty good, and I got interested in the books because of the movie. Um, but the books are better, obviously. Books are always better. And it, we're talking specifically series here. Are you thinking of like single one-off novels and movies that well, are young adult? Stand up, obviously, something like Hugo, right? It's a right, young adult book. Or Coraline. Beautiful. Or Lemony Snicket. Do we say? Oh, Lemony Snicket totally counts. Yeah. Mm. That was made into a movie and a TV show. Although it was like what, like seven books, and they've never gotten past book three. Um, no, the TV show goes all the way through, just condenses okay. mm. some books. So instead of being, how, what is it, how many books are there even in the series now? Um, instead of being all gazillion books, it's only however many episodes it is. I actually really liked the uh, Netflix adaptation of Unfortunate Events. I thought it was really well done. Do we count How to Train Your Dragon since it's animated? But that's based on a, a series of young adult books. Although, I mean, admittedly, are we going to count like Captain Underpants? 
Yeah, it de- I guess it depends on how young we're going like, for young adults. Like, how young are we talking? No, I think you still have to be kind of an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, I'm just saying, like, what makes, I, I still think those are the three that that count as successes, either financial or creative. Sure. Um, even, like, I loved the um, the Chronicles of Narnia I love the wine, which were the wardrobe. I, I vaguely remember the, the next two movies, which was, you know, and it, it, it's a long, long, it's a very old book compared to the other ones, but I can't really say that's super successful. I really think Ooh, we got those can- three, but what, what's that magic bullet? Why do they work and nothing else seems to? We it's not just that the movies are better. But what about, like, I don't know if it's young adult or just straight adult, but, like, The Magicians? I love Grossman, turned into a sci-fi uh, Honestly, I want to watch that. I, I definitely do. I can't. It doesn't seem like it's the, the breakout. And I know not everything can be a breakout hit, but it feels like more should have been. There's so much like money at the table. There's so much that can be had. It feels like something could have been done. Like, I'm just surprised Armis Fowl is like straight. Well, I guess, you know, there's extenuating circumstances, but straight to there are streaming. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what, well, what, let's take, you know, I guess now we're, we're going to get famous for these formulas here, but what do we think Harry Potter, Hunger Games, and um, Twilight have in common as adaptions that make them successful? More than three books. No, seriously. Yeah, but that's not. No, no. uh, uh, I think that's that's a start, though. Like that's a first step because I feel like a trilogy is common, even as not uncommon as it used to be. It's more common now. So Hunger Games is a a trilogy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. And also, it's not something that a lot of these franchises that didn't pop off have right percy jackson's got a lot of books artemis fowl's got like 12 you know what i mean like i'm just saying that's like a a foundational step part of it might be that not so much that they're not trilogies or they are trilogies or number of books but like a clear story arc um sometimes i feel like young adult series will sort of run their main story arc and then start a new one that doesn't feel connected to a larger overarching story. Whereas Hunger Games, Twilight, Harry Potter had a very clear, like each novel was its own thing, but the series as a whole had a very clear direction. It was going a very clear like climax. that was like, this is the end of this story. Whereas I'm not sure that other series have had the same like level of clarity on what the bigger picture is. I'm also going to say, as far as an adaptive perspective, it's a a faithful interpretation of that story arc, right? Or a faithful adaption of that story arc, right? Knowing that obviously you're not going to hit on all the plot points because you know turning an X amount of hundred page book into mm-hmm. a two hour movie, you can't do it all. But you have to say what at the essence is this book about? We need to make sure we we get that in our movie, right? And I think you know. For better or worse, Hunger Games, Harry Potter, Twilight, they do do that. Well, I think uh, also the first movie has to be 
something like uh, I, I, I can't find the word uh it, it successful no i, I mean yeah like, it's to like beyond successful even really it's got to be something of a spectacle the way like i mean harry potter was a record-breaking movie when it came out i feel like um you know otherwise they're not gonna make a second movie because definitely know, it I, needs I, to be box office worthy and i think part of that comes from having a good following in in the book form like I think it helps to be a crossover hit, like adults and children. You know, it's not just teenagers who are reading these books. It's teenagers and young adults and their parents and so on. Like, you know, there's grown women who are very into Twilight. There's people of all ages who read Hunger Games and Harry Potter. Um, and I think that, that having that wide audience really helps as well. Yeah, I mean, so, like, so I think, I, I think. Yeah, I think you're nailing it more on the head, Gwen. You know, it's not, look, it's not like these studios, for the most part, are putting small money into their potential franchise starters, right? You know, uh, Artemis Fowl's a budget of $125 million. I'm sure Disney is... Feels like a lot of money to me. Yeah, it, to some degree, they're not thrilled with the fact that they're going to release it on Disney+. Plus. Um, you know, but it, at the same time, though, you know, I think it's it's about good storytelling, right? Uh, you know, it's about faithful enough adaption. Um, you know, uh, if we look at the Harry Potter franchise, I think what's interesting about the first two movies is they feel almost like reading the book in the sense that they're very whimsical and they feel very rote of what's happening, which isn't a bad thing. It obviously mm -hmm. gets people on board. Uh, who have a book audience, you know, perspective, but then they diverge, right? Yeah. As the books get bigger, as the book gets books get more intense, they they thematically adapt more more straightly, you know, as I mean, compared to having that, to hit everything. In a way, though, I think that's faithful to what the books do because, like, the tone of say, like the fourth book versus the first book is incredibly different because. You know, the story's evolving, the characters are growing. It doesn't stay one note. It doesn't stay like this is a book for 11-year-olds, even though we start out that way. And I think the movies sort of follow that while making changes that are necessary to be successful in film. Like, the things you can do in a book are very different, I think, from the things you can do in a movie in terms of tone shift. I think... Also, you know, maybe, and this will be my last input on this, is I think they should add something, whether that's adding something because of the medium or adding something that maybe the material needs. Um, you know, I... Terrifying... Uh, world building, I'll, really. Element. Yeah, I'll use the, the... Yeah, I'll use the Hunger Games and Harry Potter as good examples. Um, you know, the Hunger Games, particularly in the second book, lacks has difficulty with the fact that we're stuck in Katniss's first-person perspective while trying to balance the idea of telling this larger story. The second movie is able to pepper in just a couple of scenes that Katniss doesn't take part in that gives us a little bit of an idea of what's going on in the world that makes the things that happen at the end of the second movie and then into the third movie more less jarring, more sensical. Um, you know, Harry Potter adds... Dramatic, but they fit the arc better. Correct. Harry Potter adds a lot of tangible stuff to the wizarding world, particularly once Yates comes on board, right? 
We establish specific looks for fighting styles with wands. We give um, a sort of texture texture to magic in the world. Um, you know, starting around movie five, that you know, like isn't in the books, right? It, it, the only thing they go to a great extra, you know, extra lengths to describe is the Patronus. You know what I mean? Like, you know, for mundane magic, it's just, we do this and this happens, you know? Um, it, you know, particularly with wand magic. Because when you look at it, like, I think a lot of, a lot of the Chronicles of Narnia, could, you could say the same thing about those and how they've, they took they took you know relatively loose books and forced the adaptation to it, learning a little bit from Lord of the Rings and gave a unique style and everything to the world. And then you could look at Twilight, which was you know close, not maybe not exactly close to 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 Harry Potter, but like it definitely a phenomenon. And I look at that and I'm like, I can't say aside from my own little you know biases of not liking it. Can't honestly say that that movie, those movies were amazing. Uh, even the first movie, like I thought, maybe Pope's idea was right. You just have to have a really good first movie. And then you look at the first movie in the Twilight Saga, and you're like, maybe you don't. Be. <laughs> it made a lot of money and was critically acclaimed, though. Uh, critically, I know. I mean, money. I, I can't. Maybe because I only watched the Rift Track version, and I'm like, I can't take this seriously. But um, so, I, sorry, I don't know. It, I think maybe it's it was, magic. It was a mixed review movie, but like. You know, it wasn't panned, which could always speak to, you know, I guess the, the cult phenomena that is the movie. And maybe it's just the rabidness of the fans. Maybe just the, the Artemis Fowl fans are just not not rabid enough. No, yeah. But then again, Sonic, I don't know. Nothing's more rabid than a Sonic the Hedgehog fan. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.